saints, who sang these songs today from your heart? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We sang prayers that are dangerous. You may, before the week is over, like, what's going on? God is answering your prayer. Amen. His prayer is that we become one. You can read it in John 17. And his plan is that we become like him. That is plan A. There is no plan B. All things work together for good. And that good is that we be conformed to his image. So you may someday feel like singing, oh, oh. And remember, I prayed the prayer. Men, you are called to be men of God. God sees you as men of God. Say it after me. I am a man of God. I am a man of God. Then that's a call to a higher walk. Women, you are called to be women of God. Say it with me. I am a woman of God. I am. After the resurrection, Jesus' disciples went fishing. And he performed his last miracle before, that we know of before he ascended back to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit and then the miracles continued by a net breaking load of fish that didn't break the net. Lots of fish. Peter had stripped down to his skivvies and swam to shore, ran to him. And he was restored there. And the Lord asked him, do you love me? He used the highest level of love, agape in the Greek language. It's, it's, it's supreme love. He said, do you love me supremely more than these? I think he was talking to the fish because catching a big load is fun. Do you love me more than this stuff? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. And then he asked him again, do you love me? Supremely is implied. Yes, Lord, I love you. Tend my sheep. Then he dropped it down a level using the word phileo, which is brotherly love. Peter, do you have affection for me? Lord, you know I have affection for you because that was the word he used each time he responded to the Lord's agape. He responded with phileo. The Lord then gave him some bad news. He said, you know, when you were younger, you used to do what you wanted, go where you went. But the day is coming when another will gird you and take you where you don't want to go. This he spoke, John said, signifying the death he would die. Tradition says he later was crucified, years later, and asked to be crucified upside down. But when he got this bad news, you know what he did? He did what we always do. We look around, well, what about that guy? What about him? We hide behind others. And Jesus said, if it's my will that he never dies, what is that to you? You follow me. So when you find God calling you to a higher level of commitment, a higher walk, do not use the hypocrisy of others to not grow. He's calling you and I to change, to be more like him. If it's his will, they live as hypocrites for the rest of their life and go to hell or heaven in his mercy? What is that to us? We're called to follow him. And if that journey is crucifixion, so be it. To live is Christ, to die is gain.
Aleluia. Is my sacrifice still enough for you? Is the death of my body on the cross enough, still enough for you? Is my blood still precious in yes. your sight? Yes. Do you still choose to accept my body and my blood as, as a payment for your sins? Do you still hold that position? Do you still hold to that? Do you still dedicate yourself to say yes and accept my proposal to be my bride, to wait for me when I come for you? Do you reject the world, the flesh, and the devil? Will you consort with other suitors? Do you dedicate yourself to that I would be your only suitor. That you would not adulterate yourself with other suitors. That I would be your first love and always be your first love. I have given my all for you. Will you give your all for me? Am I still your king and Lord and master? Will you continue to follow me and be a light to those around you? Come unto me, all you hunger and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you freedom from that sin burden. I will break it off of you. I have broken it off of you. Am I still imminent in your thoughts? Am I your all in all? The world, the flesh, the devil has nothing that they can offer you that's of eternal value. I choose to be your all in all if you choose to be mine. Make your choice. Choose me, choose life, choose peace, choose joy, choose righteousness. My kingdom is so much greater and bigger and wonderful than you could ever, ever, ever imagine. 
Come unto me. Let's respond to this word. Who receives this? Who says yes to the question? Let's sing that response. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. So when Pastor Allen said that we pray dangerous prayers as we worship, that's exactly right. And sometimes uh, the dangerous prayers are for you as an individual. And sometimes the dangerous prayers are for us as a body. And so what we're experiencing here right now is exactly the result of those dangerous prayers that we pray as a body as we see the Holy Spirit begin to move corporately here in this place amen it's an awesome thing we pray for worship to break out revival to be here we pray for us to be able as a body it's so powerful to press in to the presence of the lord and to know him together for who he is the lord god almighty it's no accident that we did this song that we're getting ready to sing and I want to speak to the youth because this is a word for you that the Lord gave me this morning it's really important but all the rest of you can kind of go along as I speak to the youth in Genesis chapter 16 this is this is something that God gave me this morning before church Sarai and Abram take matters into their own hands. They've got a promise. The Lord has promised a child, an heir, a descendant. And they take matters into their own hands because they're old. I gives Abram her servant girl, a young woman. And she gets pregnant. She, she's gonna have a child. And Sarai becomes jealous through all of this. This is a little nugget that's so important in the word. Sarai says to Abram in verse four, my wrong be upon you. I gave my maid unto your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between you and me. So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hands. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with Hagar, she fled from her presence. Hagar ran out. She goes to a spring of water in the wilderness. And the capital A, angel of the Lord, finds her by the spring. Now that capital A angel is Jesus and he says Hagar Sarai's maid where have you come from and where are you going and Hagar says I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai and then the angel of the Lord that is Jesus said to her return to your mistress and submit yourself under her hand and then the angel of the Lord that is Jesus pronounces a blessing on her 
And Hagar, who has been desperately persecuted and runs away, says this, and it's amazing, and you guys need to hear this. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, you are the God who sees. For she said, have I also here seen him who sees me? Now this is an amazing thing, Elroy. He is the God that sees you in your desperate circumstances. And I want you to know that right now today that God, the God, creator God, no matter how miserable you feel like you are right now, no matter how persecuted you feel, no matter how much you feel like running away, God is Elroy. He is the God that sees you. He's seeing you right now. He sees your circumstance. He sees where you are, right where you are. And he wants to be with you. And he wants to pronounce a blessing over you. And he wants you to recognize him for who he is. That is the God that sees you in your circumstance. Never forget that, young ones. Never forget that. You are pursuing a God that wants to relate to you in such an intimate detail. He sees you. And I want you to know that this morning. Breathtaking wonder in every color you're showing off to me. You come like thunder, then a gentle whisper, you're found in everything. To hear your voice, to call you friend, to know your thoughts, how rare, how beautiful, you're with me here, I feel you breathing, you're closer than I thought was possible, so how So I'll 
friends. He will never leave you or forsake you. He is behind you, in front of you, beside you, every step of the way. said amen. amen. Turn in your Bibles to the book of James. Okay, okay. Now that that's over with, let's go ahead and get straight to business. See ya. Hello there. Uh, yes, you can laugh now, but hear me out. I've got business for you, and I can tell by you fine folks you're all good people of business. And luckily for you, Don Refusio, that's me, I'm here to interest you in many of your fulfilling business needs, if you catch my meaning. And perhaps I can fulfill those needs by producing one of my various pocket items you might be interested in purchasing. Uh, for example, uh, who here, <coughs> give me a sec, who here might be interested in purchasing what I got, uh, a couple of uh, toenail clippers here that I uh, definitely did not pick off the ground? <laughs> no? Okay, well, uh, how about this pen that I certainly did not um, grab off of a desk earlier today? It, this belongs to me and I'm willing to, okay, not that, all right, that's fine. Okay, well, how about this? What if I told you I have a time machine? because I could easily take us back to the year 2016. Behold! I don't know what this is, but it was a big deal back then. Okay, not that, all right, that's fine. All right, you pulled my arm. I'm willing to present to you something extraordinary. One of the most dangerous, most lethal weapons known to man that I would not present to you if I didn't trust all of you here. But I am a man of trust, so I am willing to present to you the tongue. <laughs> not just any tongue. It is the tongue. This little bad boy here is responsible for conflict everywhere. I'm talking 
relationships, family, friendships, my marriage. This baby is the reason for causing pain to it all. I mean, if you think about it, the tongue is probably the reason most lies exist or that nations are divided or um, uh, that, you know, like government is screwed up. You know what? Uh, <laughs> You know, I uh, pitched this uh, to one of my friends earlier, and uh, it sounded good then. Um, it does not sound good now. So I'm just going to hold on to that and uh, burn it when I have the chance. <laughs> because, uh, you know, this thing's been eating me out of house and home, both of which are currently a dumpster. So uh, perhaps uh, we could uh, do something else. Like, uh, who here would be interested in uh, purchasing this patented watch? Or at least it would be if I wasn't fired from the patenting office for trying to patent sadness. But that's, uh, okay, none of that. that wait, who's that? Is that my ex-wife? Oh, she, leave me alone! You already took the case! What more do you want? Thank you to the gangster in the house. Today we're going to speak from James 3, verses 1 through 13. But we just can't skip over a couple passages in the very first chapter of this book. James 1.19 says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce, it actually does produce, but it does not produce the righteousness of God. The wrath of man produces chaos, division, Wars, rumors of wars, all sorts of conflict. Verse 26, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Who does not want to have religion that is useless? Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. We live in a world full of chaos, full of conflict, with unbridled tongues, and Americans are some of the worst because we have all the freedom. <laughs> I don't want to go to a third world country where they don't have freedoms, but at the same time, we have freedom brings responsibility. Can I get an amen? amen. So chapter 3, verses 1 through 13 of the book of James, my brethren... Let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Stricter. So as believers, we, we will face judgment. So live in lives of wrath, God will deal with us. We are illegitimate children if he doesn't punish us when we need it. But when you become a teacher, a leader, that's a higher level of calling. And a leader cannot make excuses for weaknesses by saying, well, what about that guy? No, you got to step up to the plate and repent when called to account. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. So how much does a horse weigh? Thousand pounds? How much does a bit weigh? Quarter pound? 
I don't know. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Why does the two-ounce organ in your mouth, the little devil that hides behind the pearly white gates, get blamed for so much? Because you can't talk without it. Try that sometime. Not right now. It don't work. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. In my childhood, I remember Smokey Bear. Don't play with matches. One match can burn down West Texas. Verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Wow. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. Who knows we need God's help. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. If you don't believe it, just make us angry. And here comes the poison. Verse 9, with it we bless our God. Hallelujah. And Heavenly Father, I appreciate you. And with it we curse men. Who do you think you are, you little blankety blank, who have been made in the image or the similitude of God? Verse 10, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. That's the old King James. These things ought not to be so. Verse 11, does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? My grandparents used to pastor in Heber Springs. And they, in the center of town, have these different faucets you go to with different springs. And each faucet has a little different combination of minerals and a little different flavor but they're consistent. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Verse 12, can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. When you mix fresh water with salt water, what do you get? Salt water. Verse 13, beginning of the next paragraph, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct or good speech, because speech is conduct, isn't it? That his works, or you could say his words, are done in the meekness of wisdom. Lord, speak to us from your word in such a way that it impacts the way we live. In Jesus' name, amen. This subject is really a major theme in the Bible. Definitely in the book of Proverbs. But there are verses, just look up the word mouth, see how many times it's in the Bible, the word lips, the word tongue, the word voice, it's all over the place. And it's not popular to preach about it every Sunday, it's true. So listen closely and if the Lord leads you, listen to it again because I don't want to preach this every Sunday for the rest of my life. But it could because it's so needed. Proverbs 18.21 says, death and life. Can we say both? 
are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So which fruit do you want? The fruit of death, the fruit of life. So there's the fruit of a tongue that needs to be tamed and the fruit of a tongue that is tamed. So today we're going to talk about the fruit of an untamed tongue. Another time, the fruit of a tamed tongue. Can we say tamed? Trained. Trained. Discipled. An untamed tongue can be death. Can we say dead? It can kill your friendships. It can kill your career. It can kill your ministry. It can kill your neighborhood. It can kill your family. It can kill your marriage. Did I say that? If I said it again, then it's just underlined because it's so important. We cannot just open our mouths and say whatever comes in our head. We have filters, and the fruit of the Spirit is a good filter. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, unless you make me mad. (laughs) An untamed tongue can be inflaming. Can we say fire? Fire. We read it earlier, verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Who has a fireplace? All right, before they had these fancy logs that you can buy that starts fires easiest, just a money-saving tip, you know, you can cut those things in fourths. Cut it in half and in half again and save some money, still start a fire. But before we had those, we would kindle a fire, right? Twigs, newspaper, and then a little bigger things, a little bigger till you get big enough flame to where it'll catch a log on fire. So, when we're angry, inside of us is a fire kindling. The whole revelation of dealing with our tongues is about dealing with our hearts. If the fire is kindling before it goes out of control and then comes out of our mouth, let's let's run to the cross, run to Jesus. Lord, help me to understand. Maybe you have to have a help me understand conversation with your spouse or your child before the fire becomes something that your mouth becomes a flamethrower. And the tongue is a fire. It is, and it comes from our heart. Out of our hearts spring the issues of life. Can't separate them. An untamed tongue can be a world of iniquity. Who's been to Disney World? You know, back in the day, they had Tomorrowland, Adventureland. Now they have the Magic Kingdom. They have MGM Studios and the Epcot Center. And in those places, it's just a whole world of stuff. The wickedness in our ability to speak is beyond comprehension. It is a world. I remember one time I ran to God for help with my tongue and I just confessed every vile thing I could imagine as being in my heart. Lord, cleanse this out of me and Lord, take this out of me because iniquity is inside us. You know, Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. That's an outward visible wound for our outward visible sins. And he was bruised, that's an inward wound for our inward sins, our iniquities. An untamed tongue can be a world of iniquity that leads to transgression. 
The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, verse 6 says. An untamed tongue can be contagious. Can we say infectious? It can spread problems. In World War II, there was a saying that spread across the Navy and went even into the shoreland. Loose lips sink ships. The rumor mill doesn't do anybody any good. The tongue is set among our members, verse 6 continues, that it defiles the whole body. Can we say defile? What does that mean? I'm not getting into it, but it's not good. You don't want it. It could defile a church body as well and defile our physical body. An untamed tongue can be set on fire by hell. I mean, James spoke strong. Set on fire by hell. Who doesn't want to be a conduit for hell? (laughs) It sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. Can you say death? That's the abode of the dead. When there are crimes of passion, generally... There are words spoken first. Before you pulled the trigger and killed him, there were words that, that were spoken, that were hurting, that were wounded, that elevated the conflict to the level of someone being slaughtered. An untamed tongue can be untamable. Duh. <laughs> How do you spell it? Guess what? Both are correct. It's an interchangeable spelling. An untamed tongue can be untamable. Verse 7 says, For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. An untamed tongue can be untamable by human efforts. I think it was the last president of the Philippines. His name was Duarte or Duterte. I think it's Duerte. Foul mouth, unbelievable. He would just lose it. And one day, flying between islands or countries, he said he heard God tell him, if you don't stop talking nasty, I'm taking you out. So he had a big press conference announcing, I'm not going to use any more foul language, no more epithets for me because God told me I'm out of here if I don't stop. So you're not going to hear it coming from me. How long did he last? Just a few days later, somebody did something wrong and it came out of his mouth. He started up again. The fountain started flowing again. The bitter water started shooting out again. And continue to curse till the end of his, his regime. So here's David intending on taming his tongue. He said in Psalm 39.1, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. Who feels like that sometimes? I'm not going to sin with my tongue. I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to cuss. I'm not going to this. I'm not going to that. Oh, no, you didn't. He said, I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle. Give me some tape. While the wicked are before me, I'm going to be careful what I say around wicked people. It's a good good New Year's resolution, isn't it? But David, being a wise man, knew he needed some help. 
Proverbs 17, 28 says, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Abe Lincoln and Mark Twain are both credited with saying the same thing. I don't think it originated with them. They said, it's better to be thought a fool and be silent than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. So, I'm going to be quiet. You can't do it on your own. There are people that will trigger you. We have triggers. They're untamable by human efforts. I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue or restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. An untamed tongue can be untamable without the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen. We need his help. One of the signs that a person's been filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking in another language. God doing a miracle in your mouth where as you're saying English, a different language comes out giving him praise. Verse seven, the same psalm. Here's David making this declaration, this resolution, I'm not gonna speak. By verse seven, he says, now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. My hope is in you. I'm not gonna do these things, but I need you. Verse eight of Psalm 39, deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the reproach of the foolish. I was mute. I did not open my mouth because it was you who did it. I love that. Who's had the Lord help you sometime? Lord, we need you to help us all the time. Let's pray that. Lord, we need you to help us all the time. Lord, we need you to help us all the time. An untamed tongue can be full of deadly poison. Can we say fatal? It is an unruly evil, verse 8 of James 3 says, full of deadly poison. It will kill. The child's limerick, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is a lie. It's a lie. It's used to strengthen children to, you know, suck it up and don't get hurt all the time. But the truth is, words go deep. They hurt. If someone writes you a hurtful text, read it, but don't read it again. Do not go back and replay old tapes. Live in the now. They didn't send you that message a thousand times or a dozen times or even twice once, maybe sometimes they send follow-up ones. Don't read that stuff over and over. It'll go deep and hurt you more. You're hurting yourself by doing that. Why? Because words are full of deadly poison. So we're talking about more than just the tongue. We're talking about the pen or the keyboard. The email, the text, the nasty video intended to hurt you and watching it over and over again will not do anyone any good. And because sins of the tongue are contagious, you're gonna get tempted to lash back. Which is what they want. Don't be anyone's puppet. Danger, poison. When we see this, we're warned to be careful with the items nearby or the label that it's on, the item that it's labeled. But when we see it, we need to be reminded that our tongue is so dangerous. 
How about this? I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. (laughs) Do we really love him? He's calling us to a higher walk. If you love me, why do you not do the things I say? Didn't he say that somewhere? A wise man built his house on the rock is like someone who hears what I say and does them. But a foolish man builds his house on the sand is someone who hears what I say and doesn't do them. Professing our love for Jesus is great, but gotta be some follow-up, right? If we tell our spouse we love them and then we don't live like we love them, what is that? It's just empty words, just empty words. And then here comes the next thought. Somebody's probably thinking right now, well, I don't curse as much as so-and-so. That's hiding behind so-and-so. If we love Jesus, let's ask him for help to live on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and all day Sunday. All right. I'm an exhorter. I'll hammer on it again and again, but I think you got it. An untamed tongue can be polluting. Colossians 3, 8 through 10 says, but now you yourselves are to put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Why are you picking on me? Because the Lord is picking on us all. He's calling us to live a higher walk. He wants fresh water to flow from our fountain. He wants the water in our life to be unpolluted. The same lips that say, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice, is saying things that we wouldn't want to even hold in our hand. Lord, help us. A friend recently went out of state and was blessed to see a table full of men reading their Bible and praying together and making declarations of faith. And some of those men got up to leave and it wasn't long till that same table, the men that left behind were dropping the F-bomb like crazy. You mix those two together, what do you get? Salt water. It pollutes. An untamed tongue can be polluting our praise. Verse Nine, with it, meaning our tongue, our mouth, our voice, our lips. With it, we bless our God and Father. And with it, we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. That's God's child. Do we want to be blessed? Who wants to be blessed? If you have the ability to bless someone, use it, right? But you're less likely to use it if they're bullying your kids, if they're cursing your kids. How many prayers are going unanswered because of this mixture in our lives? Our prayers, God beholds our lives as a whole, Sunday through Saturday and beyond, January through December and beyond into years to come. He beholds our lives as a giant, like a gumbo. Who loves gumbo? Mix it all in a good roux. Well, I don't cuss much. Well, Would you like a little garbage put in your gumbo? 
What, are, what is the Lord hearing? This is the beauty of repentance. Thank God he purifies our praise when we repent. But I want him to smile when I sing and not have to say, dude, repent. 1 John 4.20 says, if anyone says I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Men have been made in the image of God. They're his children. They're called to repentance too. But this game of will you go first, it's child's games. We go first. Why? We're leaders. We're called to be examples. All right. An untamed tongue can be a contaminated spring. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Nope, it does not. And we are to be the springs of the Lord. Out of his belly, Jesus said, will flow rivers of living water. What are we talking about? We're talking about being hypocrites. What's the definition of hypocrite? Two-faced? To wear a mask? Hippocrates, dig it up, research it, but I love this definition. A hypocrite is a person who's not himself on Sunday. I'm not expecting comments after the sermon today. If the shoe fits, wear it. Step on your own toes so I don't have to preach like this. Repent. Stop being a hypocrite. Years ago, we had a member of the church who had someone who worked with him come to church and gave a bad report on him because of his language, of his mouth, of his speech. A hypocrite is a person who's not himself on Sunday. Who we are on Monday is who we really are. If we're different, then Sunday's just religion. Empty, empty religion is what it is. I'm preaching to myself. An untamed tongue can be fruitful. Those who love to speak will taste the fruit of their, of their speech. And who wants to be unfruitful? Nobody does. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? Nope. I love to pick some fresh figs that are ripe right off the tree. Olives, not so much. Sure don't want olives off a fig tree. That's a distortion. Or a grapevine bear figs? No. Ripe grapes are great right off the vine. Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. An untamed tongue can be piercing. We say, ouch. A tongue can be sharp. There's a couple passages in the Old Testament about people sharpening their tongues. They become great. I have a friend that paid money to go to the Scarborough Fair, one of these Ren Fests near Waxahachie at the time. And he paid a professional insulter to insult him with a British accent. <laughs> Masterpiece. Talk about piercing. You know, if I had a dog like you, I would shave his fur and make him walk down. Stuff like that. Proverbs 12, 18, there is one who speaks like the piercings of a sword. 
Let's face it, there's a sword in your mouth. Revelation reveals Jesus as having a sword in his mouth. We have a sword in our mouth. How are we going to use it? For good or for bad? Well, I want to hurt somebody because I'm hurt. Well, that doesn't do any good. They're going to retaliate and you're going to get even hurt more. Oh, no, you didn't. An untamed tongue can be piercing like a sword. An untamed tongue can be, and this is the last one, ensnaring. Can we say trapped? Trapped. Proverbs 18.7 says, a fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. You ever get caught telling a lie? It's best just to fess up and repent than to tell another one. You're just going to tangle yourself up. If nothing else, lose credibility. Who wants to have credibility? It's important that we have good reputations. That we don't just have good voices. And we can't just quote scripture, but we live scripture. Lest we be snared, our lives ensnared by our words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. What kind of fruit are we living? The fruit of an untamed tongue. James 1.26, in closing. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart or her heart, this man's religion is vain, the New King James says, useless. Lord, I ask that you give us pure religion that impacts how we live daily with our family. Lord, may we be quick to repent when we mess up and not give up. Don't give up, but repent in Jesus' name. Amen.
to speak, Lord, touch our tongue with your finger, with your spirit, and we can speak as you'd have us to speak. I received this text today from Murray Galloway, who's a Southern Gospel singer and a pastor from, I think, Indiana. He said, what we say often and affirm to ourselves becomes our belief. Our belief determines our actions, and our actions become our way of life. And you repeat after me, Lord, I give you my heart. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my mouth. I give you my mouth. Help me to watch what I say. Help me to watch what I say. And to put away those phrases that bring death. Put away the phrases that bring death. Give me new phrases that bring life. Give me new phrases that bring life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Peace that passes understanding. Peace that is not based on human compromise, but on Calvary's conquest and Christ's finished works. Shalom, peace, wholeness. Shalom, y'all. Go get him, tigers. Stay with us and eat if you can.